Well, good morning. My name is Eric Stelzer, and we're going to be continuing our series on prayer this morning. So in the new year, when, when January came around, we decided to start a study on Bible study, and then through um, February, we're going to be looking at prayer together. And the reason we're doing this is because in 2018, we want to be people that grow in our understanding of the Bible, and we want to grow in our communication and pray, our prayer lives. And um, we believe from Colossians 2, 4 through 6, that like, this is how our faith is built up. This is how we grow when we're rooted in him, when, when God reveals himself through his word, and we communicate back to him through thanksgivings, through requests, through praises, whatever it might be. And so we want to grow this year. We want to be able to be like, in 2018, I read the Bible more than I did in 2017, or I prayed more this year. And so we want to we drive ourselves and want to encourage ourselves to be people of the book and to be people that pray. So last week, Pastor Dave shared um, the life and ministry of Jesus, and he shared how Jesus' prayer life was always before, during, and after his ministry. And oftentimes what Jesus would do is he would go aside to a place of solitude, and he would spend that time just praying. And Dave encouraged us and challenged us this past week to spend time in just solitude, away from distractions, just, just to find a moment or two where we could just like spend time with God, and I hope that you guys have been able to do that. I hope you guys took that challenge seriously. Um, I, what I did was I tried to set an alarm on my phone so I'd wake up a little earlier to pray, but that didn't, um, that didn't really work. <laughs> like three nights in a row, I woke up at like three or four, and I'm just laying there in bed, like next to Leah, and I couldn't like I couldn't fall back asleep. And God was like, "Hey, Eric, this is your time of solitude." Like, let's talk now. And so I, I hope you guys got had some time. Mine was like at 3 in the morning, but it was, it was still really, really good, and God and I were able to really connect, and I was able to talk to him about a lot of things. But this week, we're going we're gonna to continue our series on prayer. But before we do that, would you guys pray with me? Would you ask the Spirit of God to come and to speak to us, to challenge us um, with his word? Father God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would, you would speak through me this morning to my friends, to my neighbors, to my family. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, expand our hearts, build our faith this morning, God, and these are things that I can't do. So I pray that you would, you would work here, that we would leave here changed and more in love with you we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a, there's a story of a man named Mr. Yates. Maybe some of you have heard of Mr. Yates. Mr. Yates lived in Texas in the early 1900s. Around 1930, the Great Depression hit, and, and Mr. Yates had previously bought a farm, but when the Great Depression hit, what ended up happening was he got behind on his payments, on his mortgage payments, and he just kept pushing it back and pushing it back, but his farm wasn't able to produce enough profit, and he was like, I'm going to lose my farm. And he was, he was getting really anxious and nervous, and story has it that about three weeks before the bank was going to foreclose, there was a knock on his door. And Mr. Yates is like, hello, who are you guys? And they're like, well, we're from the local oil company. Do you own this farm? And he's like, yeah, 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 I, I own this. And he's like, well, we have reason to believe that there might be oil on your property. 
And Mr. Gates is like, well, I'm going to lose my farm no matter what. Like, what's, what's it going to hurt if I, if I let them drill? They're like, we want to drill. We want to see if we can find oil. So he signed a lease with them. They're like, I'm going I'm to lose the property. Let's just, let's just see if there's oil here. So the oil company began to drill 500 feet, 700 feet, 900 feet, 1,100 feet. And suddenly they hit a giant well of oil. And it's called a gusher. It actually like blasted through the earth's surface. And there's this oil everywhere. They had to dig a hole in a trench just to like keep this. And this well that they struck began to produce 80,000 barrels of oil a day. Like a barrel was probably about $1.50. And in 1930, that would be about $1.5 million a day that Mr. Yates just found underneath his, underneath his farm. And so in the moment, he was like, oh my goodness, I'm no longer poor. Like I can, I, I, there's, there's prosperity here. And they began to dig more and more, and they found bigger and bigger wells. 30 years later in 1960, they did a test and found one well that would still produce 125,000 barrels a day. In the year 2000, it was one of the top 10 oil wells in America. So, so Mr. Yates, what I find is funny, is he was so rich, but he didn't know it. Like, he didn't know it. Like, this whole time he was living under this gold mine, but he was living in poverty. And as I was studying this week, God was like, Eric, sometimes you and a lot of people live like Mr. Yates, we live in spiritual poverty when there's tons of riches below us and all we have to do is tap into it. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.33, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, the Bible says if you've repented of your sins and trusted Jesus, you have become a co-heir with Christ. You have entered the kingdom of God. You've entered his family and therefore have been given an inheritance, a wealth of blessings. And there's many of us in here who live without power in our life, without blessing in our life, because we haven't tapped in to the well. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 3, and all across the New Testament, it says that when, when Christ died on the cross, that he, he broke or opened a way for us to commune with God, to be back into relationship with God. And he said that opened a floodgate of blessings. So when you've repented and believed in Jesus, he is giving you spiritual blessings and riches, and one of those is prayer. One of those is prayer. So my heart, where we're headed today, what I want you to leave with, my aim, is that you would leave here like knowing what a privilege it is to pray. That, that it would muster up in your soul and your heart that you'd be like, man, I want to pray. I want to I pray more. So we're going to look at the privilege of prayer but before we go into the privilege or we conclude with the privilege, I want to look at the purpose of prayer and the power of prayer. The purpose of prayer and power of prayer. I've titled our talk this morning, Prayer, a Purposeful and Powerful Privilege. That's a lot of P's, right? <laughs> prayer, a Purposeful and Powerful Privilege. 
just to liven it up a little, would you, would, you, would you lean over and tell a neighbor, you are richer than you could ever know? Tell a neighbor, you are richer than you could ever know. You are richer than you can ever know. Prayer, a powerful, a purposeful privilege. So what is the, what is the purpose of prayer? Why do we pray? Like, why does it matter? Why should we pray? Why do we talk about this in church? What's, what's the end all? Like, what are we getting at when we pray? Now, when you read Scripture, there's a lot of different purposes, or like thanksgiving, or making requests, or having needs met, or healing, and different things like that. But there's a, there's a foundation of what prayer is in Scripture. There's, there's one end of prayer. There's one thing that prayer points to that we see all throughout Scripture, and I want to I wanna show you with a couple verses. So Psalm... 79.9. All these verses that I share this morning will be up on the screen. Psalm 79.9. Listen to this prayer by the psalmist. He says, help us. So that's a request. That's a prayer. God, our Savior, for the glory of your name, deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. So his prayers, help us, deliver us, right? But what, what, is, what does he say in there? He says, for what? For the glory of your name. For, for your name's sake. So there's this end. He's like, hey, I need rescuing. I need help. But do it for your glory. Do it for your name. Psalm 143, 8 through 11. Listen to this prayer. Show me the way I should go. So he's praying. I need guidance. Show me. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies. So there's another prayer like, rescue me, save me, help me. Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will. Again, there's guidance. Teach me. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. And listen to the next line. What does he say? For your name's sake. Lord, preserve my life in your righteousness. Bring me out of trouble. All throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament, especially in the Psalms, you see these prayers going up. And they're like, for your glory, for your name, for your purposes. So, so what is the purpose of prayer? What, what's the purpose of prayer? As If we look at this, I could give you a list more like Psalm 50, verse 12, John 14, 13. There's so many verses that are rich. But what is the purpose? The purpose of prayer is to bring glory to God. Like, that's the end all right there. The purpose of prayer is to bring glory to God for his name's sake. Well, that, that doesn't make sense. Like, well, how does me praying give glory to God? Like, what? okay. Like, okay, thanks, Eric. Like, what, what does that mean? Well, how, does, how does me praying give glory to God? Well, that's a good question. That's a question I had. Listen to this, Acts 17.25. Acts 17.25. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So from this verse, we see that everything comes from God. God is a giver. A pastor named John Piper says this, God is always the giver. That is what he loves to be. 
And the last phrase of Romans 11.36 says, To him be glory forever. It is more glorious to be a giver than a getter. This is good right here. Because getters look needy. So God ordains prayer because he wants to see him as self-sufficient. Givers look self-sufficient. So when we pray, God is looking self-sufficient. He's the one who's providing, and we look needy and dependent, and it ultimately gives him glory. So he says in Psalm 50, 15, this is the continued quote, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. God answers our call for help so that we get the rescue and he gets the honor. I will rescue you and you will honor me. In John 14, 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask for things in his name so that he might be glorified and he might get the glory that he deserves. So God is almighty, all-sufficient, and all he wants us to do is come to him in prayer so that we show to the world that our need is in him, that he provides everything that we need for life and godliness. And when we do that, when we come to him in prayer, it makes, it, it lets the world know that, that our God is big, that our God is powerful, and he loves to answer your prayers, and he wants to answer your prayers because he looks so marvelous and so glorious when you pray and you ask him, and he comes through with his power, and you're just like, that was God, that wasn't me. And he gets the glory and you get the need met, and you get the joy of just knowing that he loves you so deeply and answers your prayers. So the purpose of prayer is to give glory to God, to meet our need, but to give glory to God. The more we, um, we read scripture, the more and more we see how needy we are and how weak we really are. Like, the more and more... We, we dive into his, but we're just like, man, like, I can't, I can't do this. I really need wisdom here. I need insight. I need help with my finances. I need help with my marriage. I need help with everything. Like, the more and more we, we, we read, the more and more we see how needy we are and how dependent we are on God. If, some of you might know the C.S. Lewis, you know, C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, and, and Prince Caspian there is this encounter where Lucy sees Aslan, and Aslan to C.S. Lewis is kind of like this picture of who Jesus is, right? So Lucy hasn't seen Aslan for a while, and when she sees him, she says, Aslan, you're bigger. Which Aslan says to her, that's because you're older, little one. And she's like, no, it's not because you're bigger. And he goes, he goes, this is awesome. I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And the beauty is every year, every moment we grow in our faith, every moment we read the scriptures, he just gets more, I was going to say bigger. <laughs> he gets bigger. He gets bigger. And so we, when we read the scriptures, we see, man, I am in desperate need of him. And he gets the glory when we call out to him and when we make our request to him. So we need power. We need power. So we have the purpose of prayer and the power of prayer. In 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, Lord, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. 
I want to give you an example of a powerful prayer. It's in James 5, 16 through 18. Some of you might have heard this verse or have read this or come across. I know some of the ladies were going through James. Listen to this. The prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. The prayers of a right, of a godly person, of someone who's in step with the will of God, the prayers of that person who's right with God is powerful and effective. Elijah, one of the big prophets in the Old Testament, was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So James is telling us right here, he's like, Elijah, like sometimes we read the, the Bible and we're like, oh, Moses, Elijah, David, all these like giants, these spiritual Christian giants. And we're just like, oh, man. But James is saying, you're just like Elijah. Like you're a human being just like Elijah. And he prayed earnestly. And his prayers were powerful and effective. You're, everyone in this room, you are just like Elijah like, you might even have one step up on Elijah if you're a child of God because you have the Spirit of God indwelling in you. Like, you are just like Elijah. And your prayers are powerful. The same, the same power that Jesus used to calm the storm, the same power that Jesus used to heal a paralytic, the same power that Jesus used to change a couple of loaves and some fishes and to feed a multitude, the same power that he said, Lazarus, come forth and rose Lazarus from the dead, the same power that got him down from the cross is the power that is in you if you're a child of God. And it is powerful and effective. And we have this resource right below us. But some of us are living like Mr. Yates before he knew it. He's like, just tap in. Like, tap into the power. Don't live in spiritual poverty. Live in spiritual prosperity. I've given you this tool. Walk in this. It's powerful and effective. Man, I want to have a powerful prayer life. And we can take, the, we can take these verses to the bank. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will... So that, according to his will, that kind of goes back to purpose. Like, it's not like, man, I want a new Ferrari. Like, it's according to his will, you know? It's according to his will. If we ask anything, anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we, anything and whatever, anything means anything, anything and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked him for, for. This is powerful. This is powerful. Prayer is purposeful and powerful. And it's a beautiful privilege. It's an awesome privilege. It's amazing that the creator of the universe would beckon me into his throne room to ask anything according to his will. Like, how awesome is that? 
In James 4.2, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. Some of you don't have because you ask amiss. It's to fulfill your own desires. It's not according to his will. But he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Like God is beckoning his children into his presence to, to pray things that will change the course of history like, this is a power that moves the hand of God. Like, the verse does not say you will have even if you don't ha ask because God has a will or a plan. Like, God does have a will and a plan, but he's inviting you in. He's inviting you in with his movement throughout the universe to create history. And you can pray things that would not come into being if you did not pray them. This is powerful and a mighty privilege. That you can pray for our nation. You can pray for your neighbors. You can pray for your friend. You can pray for restoration and relationships. You can pray for healing. You can pray for these things. And God says, if you ask me according to your will, I hear you and I'll answer. Come, pray, speak to me. Friends, this is what sets us apart from every other religion in the world. That we have a living God who hears us. There are millions of people in India right now praying to millions of different gods that can't hear them and aren't doing a thing. And many of us might be praying to our financial advisors or praying for other things and these gods that we've set up in our life and they don't hear, they're dead. But there's a living God who asks you to speak to him, and he hears, and he listens, and he answers. This sets us apart from everything, and it's a marvelous privilege to be able to speak with the creator of the universe. God, would you do this for the sake of your name? Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done here in my family, in my neighborhood, in my community, in my city, in my nation, in my world? Would, you, would your kingdom come and he's listening and he wants you to and he's going to act? So this is a beautiful privilege. So prayer, a purposeful, powerful privilege. Paul got it. Jesus got it. A lot of other people got it too. They realized how beautiful a privilege it was to pray. This is why Paul starts out a lot of his letters like saying, I've been praying for you guys. I've been praying. I've been talking to God for you. I've been thanking God for you. I've been asking him to do this for you. And I'm confident he's going to work. But then he closes his letters by saying, like Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly. Another translation says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer. He's like, this is important. He also says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. Some of you are looking for the will of God. The will of God is to pray and be in communion with God and to grow in your faith with him. And so Paul exhorts, commands, devote yourselves to prayers. Brothers and sisters, devote yourselves to prayer. So 
So let me um, close with this brief story that I got permission from from Leah. <laughs> so it was uh, Thursday morning, and we accidentally left Leah's car at work, and I was driving her to work. But we, we got up um, early, and she, we had an appointment that day with um, with the doctor for a pregnancy. And she's like, Eric, you know what? Like, I was reading this article last night on The Bump. This is like some awesome app we read about our baby. She's like, I was reading this article, and it was like, you really need to drink water. You really need, and I was like, she was like, Eric, I, I just need to drink water. She's like, you know, the funny thing is the first appointment we had with Jeannie, who's our um, midwife, with Jeannie, our midwife, the, the, the only, like, command or whatever she gave me was drink a lot of water, Leah. Like, there wasn't like, hey, do this, do that, do that. She's like, you really, really need to drink a lot of water. And so this is like eight weeks later, and Leah's like, I just read this article, and I need to drink a lot of water. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an awesome husband. I'm going to go get her cup. I'm going to go fill it up with water. I'm downstairs packing her lunch. We're running a little behind, and I'm like, Leah, where's your bottle? She's like, it's up here. I'll fill it. So I got the water out, and I, I, I start working on something else, and she comes back down, and I turned around, and there she is on the counter, and she's got Nesquit out, and she's like scooping Nesquit in her cup. I'm like, Leah, that's not water. <laughs> I was like, Leah, that's not water at all. She's like, I'll drink it at work. I'll drink it at work. And then we get in the car, and when we're in the car, I'm like, Leah, I'm sorry, but this Bible verse came to my mind. And this Bible verse says, like, do not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And I was like, Leah, you, know, you need to not just be a hearer of Jeannie, but a doer of Jeannie. Because Jeannie, it's really, really important that Leah gets water. For, like, the amniotic fluid and all this stuff that protects the baby, and I don't know all. But it's, like, really, really imperative and important that she drinks a lot of water. And so I was like, Leah, be a hearer of Jeannie, but also be a doer of Jeannie. And so I say that because sometimes we come to the Word, sometimes we come Sunday mornings, and we hear the Word. We hear, like, oh, we got to be in our Bible more. we got to pray more. I'm saying, friends, don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Like what you've heard today, devote yourself to prayer. Like the, the same way we need the word of God, like Jesus says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Like he's like, the, the Bible is, is my bread. Like prayer is us breathing. Like the same way we need a breath, we need to pray. Devote yourselves to prayer. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. So here's a couple takeaways. Number one, devote yourselves to prayer. Like let's, let's devote ourselves to prayer. Can we do that as a community? Like let's, let's be a community and a people that just spend this year talking to God more than we've ever spent talking to God. Devote yourselves to prayer. And I don't know how you can do that. Set an alarm on your phone to pray at a specific, like I've been trying to do that, like just waking up a little early in the quiet and just be like, this is how I'm gonna devote myself to prayer every morning. And I don't, I don't know the time. You might, you might have different schedules and whatnot, but, but figure out what it is and devote yourself to prayer. Find a friend to pray with. Go for prayer walks. Spend your car rides in prayer. Like, use these all as tools. If you see me at Matt Ross walking around the track, 
Like, that's, that's my jam for praying. Like, I don't know why, like, in my house or anywhere else, I just get distracted. But when I just have, like, a little music going on and I'm just walking the laps, I just, like, I love to pray. Or if you see me on Antioch or 87th, whenever it gets warmer out, like, that's, that's, that's how I devote myself to prayer. That's something I do. I got to go on prayer walks or run, and I just really can be able to, like, get distractions out and connect. So find that. Find that for yourselves and devote yourselves to prayer. Secondly, spend time searching for God's will. Spend time searching for God's will. If you want to see more power in your prayer life, if you want to see effective prayers, know what God's will is. And it's, and it's all in this book. There are tons of things in this book that describe and demonstrate and reveal his will. So, so spend this year knowing his will and then pray those prayers and have confidence that he'll answer those prayers. So devote yourselves to prayer. Spend time searching for God's will. And finally, join the family. Join the, what do I mean by that? Join the family. So... Some of you in this room have probably heard me this morning. You're like, man, this sounds awesome. Like, to have this kind of purpose and this power and this privilege. But the thing is, this is only a privilege for those who are in the kingdom of God. If you're a son and daughter of the king. Like, this is given to his heirs. Like, there's, there's a... There's a man who's healed by Jesus in John 9, and the religious leaders ask him about prayer and things like that. And he says, this man says, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Like this privilege and this purpose and this power, if you haven't repented of your sin, placed your faith and trust in Jesus, it's not yours. But I want to invite you to receive that today receive that privilege. And the thing is, why it's not yours is because there's a separation between you and God, and it's called sin. There's a, there's a barrier there. But the Bible says that when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross and shed his blood, that that barrier was broken down and has given us access into Almighty God and into his throne room to pray. But if that sin's still there, you're just hitting a wall. It's like praying against the wall. Like No one's hearing. But he will hear one thing. Call out. Confess your sins. Repent. Believe on him. Make him your Lord and Savior today. Would you pray with me?